0: there's been a great deal of suppression and oppression of the feminine energetic the pendulum is swinging now but instead of just swinging to this equilibrated point it's swinging to the extreme many men are retracting from the world maybe they're scared maybe it's more of an apprehension it's more like i don't want to be seen as a villain so i'll just retract they're not retracting they're being really loud and they're moving into shadow masculinity to maintain their power which is control and oppression and subjugation and judgment. And that's why I don't like the term toxic masculinity and the rhetoric that it's generally used is because it demonizes men. That's bullshit.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today's guest, Stephanos Sifandos, is a relationship expert and coach, but also speaks very, very clearly on topics like masculinity, uh, sensuality, sexuality, just a broad, broad range. He has an incredible story, and I can't wait to dive in. I gotta admit, man, you, you, you fucked up my morning a little bit. So <laughs> I
0: can't wait to hear well, I'm
1: looking, I'm looking at my list of, I have four interviews today. Right. Yeah. And I know the first guy, Mike and Kara, I know them well. After you is the meat mafia, which is an amazing brand of carnivore diet guys. Yeah. They're young guys, whatever. Uh, and after that uh, is a guy named Sam Gibbs Morris, uh, who's an interesting guy as well. Yep. So I'm looking, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck Stefan. I was like, what do I wear? Like, I'm looking at your brand. (laughs) I'm like, this guy is all like, you know, he's sexy. He's got this man crush. Look, I have Uh, wardrobe changes, dude. I have multiple things to wear. (laughs) So I was intimidated brushing my teeth, making sure I floss right? All that oh, stuff. Oh,
0: God, man. Well, I like the complimentary gray to my white. That works well. Does it? <laughs> Opposites, gray Th- shorts, that's gray. That's a thing? That's a-, that's a... <laughs> I think so. Gray right. and white's good.
1: <laughs> All right, cool. I, your your story is incredible. I want to dive in on this a little bit. So you, you uh, you know, right now you talk a lot about sexuality, sensuality, masculinity, a lot of these relationships, right? A lot of these incredible topics. And I think you add a ton of value with the content you put out there. I don't know the programs you have. But going back, you you're sort of a, a late bloomer, you would say, sexually, mm-hmm. uh, and your entry yep. into into uh, uh, you know your own sexuality was turbulent. Could you just kind of give us some sense of that to start yeah. out?
0: I was I was just got off a client call now, um, just before here, and we were speaking to his pathway in and in his introduction to sexuality, and that started when he was twelve years old, which is. For me, very young. Yeah, me too. Uh, and, and I remember in my primary school back in Australia, um, 12-year-olds were having sex. There were a few people in our class. And we had a small class, man. It wasn't like a big, I don't know, central Dallas high school or primary school where there's thousands of kids. We had literally 70-something children in our school. Mm. It's like, I don't know, 18 to 20-something in our class. Sure. And a few of them were having sex at 12 years old. And that was a very scary for me at that age. I was very, I was overweight. I was very shy. I was full of shame. I was experiencing a lot of pain at home. I was very retracted as a kid. And so as I moved, you know, moved forward, very, very shy, kid about 17 and my friend says to me, well, I'm, I'm visiting uh, Ada Rose Studio 205, which was the, um, I guess the brothel. Brothel. Yeah. And I said, oh man, that's, well, what are you, what are you doing there? I'm 17, right? Like I know what he's doing there, but what I'm saying, what what do you mean you're paying? And, and he's like, yeah, man. I'll take you. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I've, I haven't even had sex yet. And he goes, yeah, but that's why you go and then you'll learn. I said, okay. Man, so nervous. I can feel it in my body now. Yeah. So nervous. So nervous. I've never really explained in, in detail, but I was just, and she knew. She knew this was my first time. The
1: prostitute. The, the prostitute. Yeah. She
0: knew. And she was very gentle and very kind. But, man, I was there. I was just standing there. She undressed me. I was so. I was shaking. Shaking, oh shaking. God. You were eight. How old? 18? 17, 17, 17. Yeah. And I hadn't masturbated by then either. No shit. Yeah. Not no sex. No, I had wet. No sex.
1: No sexual emission. No, no nope. ejaculation.
0: Nothing. Uh, wet dreams. Wet dreams. Sure. But I sort of knew what it was, but I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a proactive thing.
1: Well, uh, can me. I ask why? Was it a conscious thing not to? Shame involved in it or shame
0: something like and shyness? Like I'd been with girls and 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 had you know oral sex and. Mutual masturbation and and played, but I hadn't had penetrative sex Mm. at that point. Um, So I had some level of familiarity, um, but I hadn't masturbated myself. I was exposed to porn when I was about maybe 13, 14 years old, um, which again, I felt very retracted. It was all very new for me, largely because of the way I grew up. And it wasn't just the values imposed, it was more the violence in my household that just caused my nervous system to retract. So anything that was big or anything that caused me to be seen, right? And I didn't understand that back then. I know it now. Anything that caused me to be seen in the world made me retract because there was a risk. If I'm seen, then I may be hurt or I may experience shame or judgment or ridicule or rejection or humiliation, which is a lot of what I experienced at home. Yeah. And so there was that retraction. But now I remember, and she undressed me and she placed me on the bed and she put the condom on me. And I don't know if this is too graphic, but it's no, just please not. We're adults, right? <laughs> please, okay. And man, I, I ejaculated within seconds. So within, you were, you were able, able
1: to get, I was going to oh, ask, yeah. could you even get a wreck?
0: Oh yeah, I was, I was a wreck. Oh, wow. And this is an interesting conversation because I was literally just sharing this with my client. Most men are going to experience, you know, men have a tendency to be extreme. Mm. There are a few reasons for that. There is our cultural conditioning. It's the way that we've evolved. It's our, uh, the hormonal profile we hold, but we we tend to oscillate in extremes, and in in this in this particular arena of sexual expression, we either are impotent, so to speak, I'll use that word, where we, we we're 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 flaccid and we cannot get activated, or we're hyper aroused and hyper excited and we cannot control our ejaculate. So you know. Good news is over the years, I've learned to, I had to learn, I chose to learn to really master breath and body and what was happening internally in my internal state to be more connected to the sexual experience and to the woman and to myself and to all those things as a result of that. Um, Because I I chose to really look at that. And so, you know, my, that pain became, uh, I guess, an upside for me. But I I remember just, you know, ejaculating immediately.
1: Upon penetration.
0: It wasn't even penetration, man. man. It was oral. Wow, yeah. okay. So, and again, shame reinforced because you, you have conversations as locker room talk, right? And if you're ejaculating early, it means there's something wrong with you as a man. And so it reinforced a lot of um, negative self-worth, low self-worth, um, inconsistency in my own self, um, in, a sense of incompleteness, insecurity. And, of course, I had to compensate for that. And so how I compensated for it was by having lots of sex, with lots of women, all the time, whenever I could, and it became an addiction, became a way to prove my worth, to demonstrate my value. So that became a very long journey of well well over a decade. And there was a lot of uh, um, infidelity and cheating and secrecy, you know, really. And and I stayed in that underworld as well, that underworld of sex. Um, What do
1: you mean by underworld?
0: Brothels, prostitution.
1: Were you ever on your own? Were you a prostitute at any point? No,
0: no. But thought you
1: know, about it. it did? Well,
0: wow. yeah, yeah. legitimately thought about it. Yeah. In fact, I had a many years ago. I had a client that said to me, uh, "You know, I could pimp you out, man, yeah. very easily." And I don't even want. I don't even want uh, a cut for it. We could do it. Be fun. Um, <laughs> consider it. <laughs> thinking
1: it, it doesn't fulfill that that what you were like. You were just going having sex everywhere. So hey, why not get paid for it? It was what I thought maybe you could trip into.
0: It. Yeah. Well, I, again, I very yeah, much thought about it. and and he he was an architect and he had access to a lot of female clients and.
1: Yeah. But I'm sorry, the underworld. So brothels, all of that, continue down.
0: Yeah, yeah. the sh- the shadow side of sex, right? Yeah. Like where where it's not spoken about, where um you know sex parties, all those things, and and not and not you know conscious kink or conscious sex parties for lack of a better term but just really dark underground stuff. And but that again all that did was reinforce a lot of shame and reinforce a lot of withholding, right? And reinforce a lot of having to wear masks, and a lot of masks, and a lot of different masks with different people and looking over my shoulder constantly. And it didn't help that I again was mixing with people that were of the underworld as well. You know, gangs and Criminals and, and it just wasn't, you know, I've lived a very, for me, a very interesting life where I've, I've been on so many different ends of the spectrum, um, where I've been able to sit in rooms with government officials and centimillionaires and billionaires. And, you know, I've, I've sat in rooms with very high level criminals as well. And, you know, once that I, I started getting into my late twenties I really started thinking and feeling more into like, is this the person that I want to be? Cause I was wreaking havoc, man. Like I was just, I was unfulfilled in my own life. I was unstable. It was very volatile. My business and my entrepreneurial endeavors. Cause I was an entrepreneur since I was 17, 18. I never labeled myself that because I, I carried shame around that as well. I would say, yeah, I, I run my own business, but I'd never consider myself an entrepreneur with entrepreneurial spirit. Now, different story. Sure. But you know, everything was just failing. You know, it looked, everything looked okay. The only area that wasn't really failing was my, my physical performance, my fitness and my, my comp- where I'd compete. I'd compete in a bunch of different things, whether it be, you know triathlons, um, um, mountain bike races, um, uh, different fights, CrossFit, like whatever it was, like I would just be competing and that was going really well. Um, and that was one of the, the power centers that I held and, and, but everything else was just failing and I'd make excuses. I'd make excuses that it's, it wasn't everything but me. And I wasn't looking at myself. And at the same time, the paradox of all this, or the irony, rather, is that I was, you know, I've been coaching people for 23 years. I've been in this space. My background's in psychology and behavioral science. I was studying all this at the same time. And I was supporting other people on their journey, but I was never doing it for myself. That, that, that was the, the, the ignorance, the arrogance, the, the masks, you know?
1: You said entrepreneur at 17. What was that? What was the business? Was it in this space? Was it coaching?
0: Uh, it was in fitness. Oh, in fitness. Yeah, in okay. fitness. Yeah. So I started um because what happened was when I was around fourteen, 15, I, s fifteen, maybe even sixteen, I started losing a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I did something called I think you have it here in the US, called the milk run. I don't know. So well well back many years ago, it doesn't really exist now, but many years ago there'd be a truck that would have milk and orange juice and eggs and sure. bread and they would go deliver to certain neighborhoods, you know, and a man would be driving the truck that usually someone would be driving the truck that usually runs the business. And then you'd have runners, milk runners. So I would run to
1: houses. Oh, is that what they, yeah. Yeah. Well, used we to it. The yeah. Milk guy. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, milk guy. yeah. Sure. So I would jump off the back of the truck with whatever I had, deliver it to that address. He would tell us where, you know, be me and my friend and, do a lot of fucking running. Yeah. So you lose a lot of weight. Sure. And I started coming into my body and then I started training with a good friend of mine and hitting the gym and I just started feeling better in my body, right? A little more confident there. But again, it was a, the, the, the source of that was compensation because I didn't feel good in who I was for so many years, right? And teased for so many years about my weight and and, and so forth. And so for me, I started thinking about well, what I want to do in the world. I don't want to work for someone that's fucking boring. And I tried that. And I tried a few different, you know, I worked at a retail outlet I remember the one of the first in Australia back then, the first digital TV to come out, it was like $23,000 or something. It was a small uh, LCD or whatever it was. It was so shit, 23 grand. I was working in a retail store, right? Yeah. And then I worked with, with a freight forward and a shipping agency, but I never enjoyed it. And I was um, still at the same time, Working on my business, which was I'm gonna I'm gonna go to people's houses, I'm gonna train them, I'm mm-hmm. gonna excel, I'm gonna develop these nutrition plans, I'm gonna try and sell them online, I'm gonna write a blog, and I did all these things. But again, there was no real success there because I, don't know, I was immature, I was ignorant, I didn't know, um, I was green, I, I didn't have the the fortitude and the resilience, I didn't have good people around. There was lots of reasons, and and a lot of it was because I just was unable and unwilling. Sure, right? but that's sort of where it started, and then from there, I just constantly just would build different businesses, but in the industries, the things that I was really passionate about. So human development, human performance, uh, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, like in those areas.
1: When and where was bottom? You were in your bankruptcy. Friends are taking you to the grocery store to get groceries. Like when, when and where was bottom for you?
0: I think it's been a few times and I've been able to avoid it very similar to what we do here in the world in, in the U S as an example, we'll just print more money before we hit rock bottom, you know? Yeah. As an example, yeah. right? we, you know, we'll, we'll bail out that bank or we'll bail out that automotive company before we hit rock bottom because of the cascade effect and the domino effect of that, which side note, you know, I've been thinking about this, like, are we truly a capitalistic society if we don't allow failure to then grow from that failure? Anyway.
1: I'm with you. We can get in there. We'll yeah. see if we have time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to go for it. Yeah.
0: Anyway. So I never allowed myself to really hit rock bottom. And that was part of the problem because I do believe we have to, it's not about hitting rock bottom, but we have to experience a level of deficit or pain in our lives. And this is not because this is gospel or this is how it has to be, but I think it's where we are as a collective consciousness that for the majority of us, if we don't have a rock bottom pinnacle in your face event, we don't change. Now it's not the only way to elicit transformation and change. Definitely not. We can be introspective and reflective and have a proactive practice of being almost mitigating the, the rock bottom happening by being able to see it because we're introspective, we're uh, releasing emotions, we're connected to ourselves. We have a, a practice, an embodiment practice for men is very important, a spiritual practice, whatever it may be, a physical practice. And we can catch it before it happens and then we can deeply change and do the inner work to elicit change. But most of us don't have that, I guess, blessing or don't have access to it just yet. And I think it's a, it's it's reflective of our collective conscious where we are as a humanity. So we have to hit rock bottom to really change. But often what happens is, not all the time, but when we hit rock bottom, it's too late. That's why we see so many suicides, so many people end ending up on, in mental asylums or in pharmaceuticals, and they delay the rock bottom, which could deeply transfer transform their lives. And so I did a lot of that. So I, I guess my my first big rock bottom where I really really changed and shifted was about. 10 years ago. And I was in a relationship with a woman and, and I was um, cheating on her. And, and I, at the same time, I really cared for her. Like I really loved her. And I was going to propose to her, but there was so much friction and tension because of my guilt and my shame with everything that I was doing. We weren't getting along and I delayed that and she could sense it. And she found out. She discovered that I was cheating. And that was just a a snowball rolling down a mountain, picking up all the shit and all the debris. and But that was for me the turning point in my life. I just didn't want to do that life anymore. And I had been thinking about, not she actually found old emails and she purposely looked because she had a feeling, she had a sense of that. And I'm grateful for her that she did that because I needed a change and I wasn't doing it. And I, I remember a couple of weeks earlier having a conversation with a dear brother of mine saying, and he knew, you know, half of what I was doing. Well, maybe more. He knew, he knew not all of it, but most of it. And he said, man, you got to stop this. This is not, this is not healthy. Like you're, you're hurting this woman, you're hurting the relationship, you're hurting yourself. Like, why are you even in this relationship if you're doing all this? I said, no, you're right, man. I, 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 I'm i going to stop. I want to stop. I've, I've really slowed down, but I just wasn't, there was that compulsion there. It was still, I wasn't looking at my stuff that was fueling all of it. And that's what we do. We don't look at our stuff. We don't allow ourselves to feel, we don't allow ourselves to move through and we have to be forced. That's the rock bottom. Yeah. And that's what happened.
1: Man, have you ever heard of the concept of the region beta paradox? No, tell me more. It's very interesting. It's it's popped up a few times mm. and uh,
0: region beta paradox.
1: Yeah, so paradoxically, the worst situation is better for you. It's kind of what you were just describing. So the the example they always use is um, say you, you're a mile from your office, it's a mile away so you can walk it. Right. So it takes you whatever, 20 minutes to walk that. And now your work is three miles away and you have to drive it. So it's worse, but the drive is five minutes. So you actually save time in the worst scenario. So the idea is if you apply it to, you know, a, a job, a relationship, a point in life, kind of what you were just getting at that, uh, you know, when you are in love with something, or you are in a place of, of absolutely in, the, in, a, in a rock bottom type of scenario, allowing yourself to hit that bottom. Those are the change agents. Those are where action is, is precipitated. But most of us stay... What you were saying, avoiding rock bottom by staying in sort of a comfortable middle, if you will. So paradoxically, to your point, if if you allow that rock bottom, if you allow yourself to sort of you know drift into the into the depths and, and and hit it, that actually creates action and change in your life as opposed to trying to stay in the comfortable middle. I feel like that's what you're describing.
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're too. We're, I think we're too much creatures of comfort in yeah. our society. We we we're too comfortable and we don't challenge ourselves enough, particularly as men. What
1: what you, your brand, what you do, what you're about, all of what you you teach, there's there's these words. there's I said at the beginning, like masculinity, there's relationship, there's sensuality, there's sexuality, there's all of this, right? So today, you know you've you've built an incredible platform to help people uh, with, I feel like help people around these concepts or at least be able to to dive deep on these concepts. Is there a stack of these that for you, as you started to transition to become who you are today and where you're going and everything, are these concepts sort of just like on the wall randomly or does do they stack mm-hmm. in some way? Does that make sense?
0: I think so, yeah. So I, I definitely have a stack that's quite simple in terms of uh, accessing practices, right? Like yeah. practices that can support us on a daily or regular basis. Well, let me take
1: it a step back. I think yep. I know where you're going. What I'm asking is in order to achieve, uh, in, in order to be enlightened, if you will, and I don't, mm-hmm. don't like that word, but you get the point, yeah. around you know who you are as a sexual being, does it start with understanding your masculinity or femininity or is it the other way around or is, in other words, is there an order to the yes. concepts that you 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 teach and talk about and help people with, or is it like, nope, this is one area and you know you go into that, but it's somewhat related but not really you know to masculinity or whatever the case, or is it like, got to start with who you are in this regard and then you build on this and build on that?
0: It's not a one size fit fits all. However, there are starting points that are helpful for the vast majority of us, and so you know, a big part of my background is in developmental psychology. And so I look at how impressionable we are as young people, as children. And I look at how we absorb information from the outside world and how generally we make that information mean, like how we make it mean and what we make it mean. And generally, not generally, when we are young, it's all about us. Uh, and we have to, we have to be selfish in order to realize our separateness from other people and then develop greater empathy, compassion, communication, connection, leaning on people, relying on people, learning how to set healthy boundaries, all those things. But we often internalize our experiences. So for example, we'll, and most of us will experience trauma or difficulty. And trauma resides on a spectrum. There's big T and Little T trauma. It's not all being, growing up in a war-torn country or experiencing sexual abuse or whatever some of the big thing, being in a car accident, a very horrific car accident, all of that is trauma. And there's very subtle trauma as well where, you know, you want dad to put you to bed at night, but he doesn't because he's focusing on his work, whatever it may be. That can be a form of trauma, neglect. Um, and how we interpret it is really matters. It's less about the experience and the event by how we interpret it. And so when we have an experience where, you know, mom or dad yells at us, or mom and dad are fighting, and they divorce, and we're six years old. Well, it's our fault. We must have done something. And that often carries with us, stays with us as adults. It becomes more unconscious, but it lives in us still. It forms our habits, our beliefs, our values, the way we see the world, the way we give and receive love, the way that we retract, the way that we deal with shame and challenge, the way we look at pain. And so, one of the first steps is really undoing what was done that wasn't healthy for our continued development as adults, our growth. Because for me, growth and expansion, the synonymous terms in love, are one of the prime directives of why we're here, to, to expand, to grow, to love, to experience that, to be that. And what often holds us back are these patterns and these ways of being that are very unconscious and they live in our bodies, they live in the crevices of our minds. And so undoing that, it's not reliving the past, it's not retelling the story of the past, although that has a place in healing, in creating wholeness, neurological wholeness, physiological, psychological, emotional, spiritual wholeness, although it's not the only moving part. A big part of it is expressing what was not expressed somatically through the body. And when we do that, there's a freedom that takes place because we're, we're releasing feelings that are still in this, that are caught as part of the trauma loop, as part of this activated sympathetic hypervigilant nervous system. And when we're able to release, we're able to almost shake off that adrenaline, shake off that cortisol that's associated with that, that's been compounding for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And we're able to see the world differently, see the lens, see ourselves, relationships through a different way, in a different way. And so unraveling all that is a starting point. Integrating somatic work is is part of that process. Needing to feel safe in our nervous systems is equally as important. Safety is the healing. So if we don't feel safe, if we cannot regulate our nervous system, in other words, move from a low-dose sympathetic uh, nervous system activation to more of a parasympathetic nervous system activation where we actually are safe. And we can't do that for ourselves and we can't experience that in other relationships. We won't be able to deal with our trauma. We won't be able to deal with the beliefs that form who we are. We won't be able to deal with the negative self-talk that we have. We won't be able to deal with the psychosis that we sometimes experience or the spectrum of psychosis, right? That is essential to, to feel safe, to be in safe spaces and and process move out this stuff that's stuck is foundational to any change that anyone wants to elicit in their lives and in their relationships.
1: Wow. Okay. So for, uh, somatic work, breath work, it's exercise. It. What, it's what are some What are some things that you do? Just name. You just name two, right? Okay. So,
0: so breath work is is one of those exercises or one of those somatic practices. Sure. We want to be able to resource ourselves. You know. Um, uh, a sauna, a cold plunge, a hot cold shower, uh, going for a walk, um, light exercise this is all somatic work, Um, body work, physical body work, coupled with um, psychological and psycho emotional exploration. Has to be right. It doesn't have to be, well, but what I mean, very helpful.
1: In order to get, like, I can't just start doing push ups and, and release whatever, sure. whatever, whatever psychological uh, it becomes trauma. more
0: of a release valve. But when it, when it, that becomes a release valve, right, right. you're still just keeping the wolf at bay. Yeah. But when you, when you couple it intentionally and you're proactive with doing some deeper emotional release work with a very skilled practitioner, therapist, coach, guide, et cetera, that accelerates your growth.
1: Can your, we dive into that a little bit? So sure. I just, let's, so for men, you, I, I, you know, I don't know if there's a specific example I could give you, but let's just go with for men. Um, most of our listeners are men. So for men, men that are, are are coming to to you from a place of like you know feeling this you know I, I I'm not I'm not feeling whole I feel like I need to to advance my life or whatever the case may be
0: yeah men won't say that's a good point though men I don't think men will say I don't feel whole they'll probably say I feel empty or I feel incomplete I feel something's missing I don't feel satisfied I'm bored no, shit like that and then that's where they, their minds deviate you know yeah drugs alcohol more work more success more women whatever it may be
1: so how how does how to where I want to go with this. I want, I'm getting I'm, this topic of masculinity has become so big. I mean, from the Andrew Tates of the world up through, uh, Jordan Peterson, right. There's a lot of, a lot of discussion on it. And I feel like the reason why you are, uh, I, you're not all about masculine. I mean, you, you know, but still there's a, there's an element of your practice. I feel that deals with, you know, masculinity and there's the phrase of toxic masculinity, and then there's the counter argument to that. And there's all this noise around it. And I feel like the Andrew Tate's, the Jordan Peterson's, these folks that are talking about this topic are getting such play because there is a there is a um, I don't I don't know if the words attack or uh, 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 stigma around being masculine around masculinity. Like, I think in many ways, the idea of masculinity is synonymous for some with toxic masculinity.
0: How That's does that shame? I'm sorry. Which is a shame. So
1: yeah, how does that manifest? Like, what is toxic masculinity? Does it exist? My first question for you.
0: Yes, it does. What but does it mean? Not, yes. So, not, so, so when I look at masculine, feminine energetics, it's a way of expressing and being that's dualistic that resides within the human being. It's a way to understand through contrast who we are as humans and how we can relate to others. And so we can replace those terms. And Michaela Bohm, I read this from Michaela Bohm's work. We can replace those terms: masculine, feminine. That we need to, yeah, sure. but we can with doing energy and being energy, mm. go energy and flow energy, active energy, passive energy, yang, ying. Right? Like th- there's ways to you know directed, ind- directed energy, indirected energy. There's ways to understand the way we function as humans. That's all it is. Every human being holds these traits. So from that. From that perspective, what holds this capacity for this dual energy, right? This dual expressive way of being relationally, with self and with others, with one's environment. So if we take that and we say, can we have unhealthy extreme expressions of masculinity? Sure we can. Can we consider that toxic? Sure we can. Can the same fucking be true for femininity? I was going to say. Yeah, it can. Yeah. The issue, uh, absolutely can, and it is. The issue that we face is that there is a rhetoric out there that basically says masculinity is toxic, full stop. Therefore, all masculinity is toxic, therefore toxic masculinity. And if we associate, because of our cultural conditioning and history, men more with masculinity, which is nothing necessarily wrong with that, then by default, well, all men are bad. Now, here, here's the thing in our society today. We're at a very interesting time, 2023. We're in April now, April 19th, 2023. <laughs> yeah. we're in an interesting time in our, in our, uh, collective evolution. The norm is being attacked full stop. The norm is what we're accustomed to is being broken down. Good, bad. I don't know.
1: Meaning what? What do you mean? What we're accustomed to is being broken down.
0: Meaning what we know and what has been in power and what has been in perceived to be in control is being just broken down. Systems are breaking down. Sure. Um, we want, the world to be well some want the world to be different some don't want the world to change and so we're colliding i think you see it in the media you see you see the extremity of uh, the polarization of What's being shown in the world, whether it's this conversation about women, transgenderism, whether it's conversation about race, whether it's conversation about big pharma or big oil or um, excessive government control, like there's a lot that's coming to the surface that is very, very polarizing at a collective level and at an individual level as well. (sighs) We're seeing people, you know, hate each other and and disown each other. Families disown each other because of a difference of opinion. You know, should I get a vaccine or shouldn't I get a vaccine? Hmm. Like, and these are very recent conversations. So I don't know what that all means. What it seems to me, what it seems to mean to me, I shouldn't say I don't know what it all means. I have a, an idea of what it means to me. Could sure. I'm wrong. Yeah. Is that we're coming to a breaking point. Society is coming to a breaking point. Um... And, you know, I mean, I didn't even mention artificial intelligence. That's <laughs> <So laughs> so another all big, other, conversation. Yeah, big conversation. Though, but, yeah, a very big conversation, but which I don't think we're addressing properly enough. I'm in, you know, one of my businesses now leverages and utilizes AI and our whole, valua- not our whole valuation, but a big portion of our valuation is predicated upon the tools that we're creating, the technologies that we're creating. Um, and we're very cognizant of how we're doing that. I'll I'll share with. I'll stay on this AI thread for a moment, right? Because I think it's actually indicative of, um, and and it runs parallel to this conversation of masculinity and and men and women and and humanity. Go with it. I'm the type of person, and I'm curious to to know what your thoughts are on this as well, like how you see the world. Like, there's this sort of extreme thing here, whatever it may be, and there's this extreme thing over here. If we just use a linear um, diagram, and then there's everything in between, and then for me, there's everything outside of that which could even be more extreme or even just outside of the extreme and everything all around it Mm. with AI particularly. And I have, I have a sense that, you know, this, this potentially could happen with this conversation around men and women and, um, biology and gender differences and so forth, that AI is either going to be really fucking great or it's going to be very dystopic and there's nothing in between and i have a sense around that and i'm hoping it's going to be really great but there's so much unknown that i don't think anyone can really tell so the parallel for me with this conversation around toxic masculinity in men is that the the some would say that the there's been a great deal of suppression and oppression of the feminine energetic and women the last th- thousands of years sure, right forever. and the pendulum is swinging now, but instead of just swinging to this more, I guess, equilibrated point, it's swinging to the extreme. We saw this happen a little bit in South Africa as well, right? With the apartheid and the, and, and the, the race wars there. And any extremes are just not healthy. And I get where the extremes come from. Sure. I get how the, the, the psychology, of course. yeah. But it's just not in the, in the interim. In the now, it's not the healthiest choice. Now, I get it. The overcorrection, 10 years, 100 years, 200 years from now, may be exactly what we need. And often that's the case, but it causes a lot of disharmony in the process. And what we're seeing now when we're talking about men and masculinity is that men, many men are re- retracting from the world because it's not, maybe they're scared. May, maybe It's more of an apprehension. It's more like, I don't want to be seen as a villain, so I'll just retract. And if then, again, men are quite extreme. If they're not retracting, they're, the majority of men. generally speaking now, they're being really loud and they're moving into shadow masculinity to maintain their power, which is control and oppression and subjugation and judgment. So that's my concern with that. And that's why I don't like the term toxic masculinity in the, in the, in the rhetoric that it's generally used is because it demonizes men. Yeah. Uh, And that's, that's bullshit.
1: I completely agree. That That was really, really well said. And with the accent, it makes it even sound smarter. I'll be honest with you, but you know, you, you make the
0: point. So I don't say it that way. I say it makes me sound dumber.
1: No, I don't no, like no. my Australian accent. On the uh, I, on this show, I had a guy on. I, I, you probably he's a local local guy. His name is Andrew Kibbe. He's a Kenyan. Um, moved here from Kenya a couple of years ago. He's got a big YouTube channel, you know, million followers or whatever there. Um, and he was sort of like dropped on me last time I was here to do to do this to do podcasts. Didn't know who he was. Just knew he talked about masculinity in African nations I'm Like that's interesting. Yeah, let's okay. let's talk to him. So he comes in, he sits down, and you know, we have a, a cordial conversation for the first forty five minutes. I I, did, I only released this episode recently because I'll be honest, I was afraid of being canceled as a result of it. He starts to go into topics of uh, masculinity uh, you know, gender relations, particularly, and race. And he's a he's a black man, Kenyan man. Um, he made points around, let's go with race. He made points around uh, uh victim is it, people be playing the victim card, like just generally. He made that point. And I'm like, man, I agree with that. I agree with that underlying point. But then he takes it to a point where he says, black people are cursed. They're cursed by God and the devil, they're stupid, this, that, and the other. As a black man, he's saying this. And I'm sitting there like, where is this going right like so but he his underlying point was you know forget the cursed or whatever hey look i moved here two years ago from kenya um i i i built this i own this i've I've made myself wealthy moving here two years ago from kenya so this argument of 200 years ago there was you know slavery and reparations are doing it he's like it's ridiculous you're playing the victim card get out of it again the 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 argument i get you know, hard for a, especially as white as I am pasty white guy to, to get into the race dynamic in that regard. Right. Sure. On the on the topic of uh, masculinity and and uh, uh, men and women, he made the point that, you know, uh, that male energy is being forced to follow the feminine, which I like how you said it. the different phrases for masculine and feminine, you know, uh, active versus passive. Right. That's he made the point and it's like wow there's some really interesting great discussion points in there but if they went further when i asked him the question like can women lead he said no like n- never everywhere no not in a corporate environment no and i'm like well why can't they because they can't physically impose themselves on a man it's like do they need to in, in an office or whatever but to your point i i i'm trying to bring this together like it, it, he has an audience because i think you know, somebody like me, like, it's almost like a guilt in saying it, like, man, I get the underlying argument that he's making. I get it. Then he takes it to this extreme, right? And that's where it gets, for me, toxic, to your point. But I, I feel like we're in this place where in order to be heard, I, I can only speak from masculinity as a man, in order to be heard, in order to feel like you're not toxic, like the Andrew Tates and the Andrew kibbes and these people that are out there that have this big message, this extreme message are getting traction. Because you said it, where a lot of men are regressing, so
0: yeah, I, they, they need I, a hero to worship. I'm sorry, they need a hero to worship, or a movement to follow.
1: Correct. So I, I agree with you. I, my, my concern, like I have two young boys, right? So my concern Mm -hmm. for, for them growing up is, are they vilified for being naturally masculine or are they vilified for more than likely in our society? Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think, um, Andrew's name,
1: uh, Andrew Kibbe. Yeah.
0: Kibbe. I don't think Andrew Kibbe is, is being, um, toxic in his expression. I don't even think he's being extreme per se. I think what he's doing is, 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 and I don't, I don't know his work enough, so I can only comment on what you shared, is that he's just very clear on what, um, what gender roles are for him and what expressions, characteristics, um, things that women and men should be doing are. And he's just really stuck on that. Like he's very clear on that for him. Great point. (sighs) Do I agree with everything that he said? there needs to be more context. So you, you nailed something in an office. Mm. We're living in a civilized world. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, yeah, that's a very loaded statement <laughs> where, you know, where, where violence isn't the norm. Yeah. However, here's, here's, well, let's just look at some facts, right? Who, who holds the most dangerous jobs in the world? Men. Men. 99.9%. War? Yeah, Men. If you're in a restaurant and you have your wife and kids there, and a gun person, gunman comes through, mm. gun. starts shooting them. I just got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took you a second. It's all right. Took you, and, and, uh, and would you sit back and expect your wife to cover you, or is this instinctive for you to do that? Right. Yeah. And, and there are cultural reasons for that, but there are also hormonological reasons for that. Right. Right? There are biological reasons for that. There are conditioning reasons for that, historic reasons for that. It's not about wrong or right or we're better. Not at all. This is, this is part of the issue that we've valued. Like, if we look at doing, right, we've created so much. And let's unpack this even fucking more. Sure. So... My, my idea, my belief is that one of the reasons why men are so good at creating in the external world and the doing is because underlying that we are very jealous and intimidated by the ability of a woman to give birth. Oh, interesting. Okay. Like it's, it's very, and we, we see it not as a, yeah, I think some of us, it's it an unconscious, unspoken threat. So we have, to, again, we have to compensate. Why specifically that
1: birth? Just cause it's the one thing
0: that, well, that we can't do and yeah. it's fucking epic. Yeah. <laughs> true. You ever watch your wife give birth?
1: I didn't watch directly, but I was in the room. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You were there in the room. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's a big thing, man. It is a big deal. Yeah. It's, so- I mean,
0: it's, 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 uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but you, if you're religious, you call it an act of God. If you're spiritual, you'll, you'll call it, I don't know what it's, 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 it's insane. It's, it's, it can't be express it. Correct. And so, yes, of course we contribute to that and we very strongly contribute to that, of course, but it's that female body, that that holds that baby that that gives life to that baby that that gives birth to that baby, mm. and so I think over the years, you know, we've we've become very good at creating in the outside world, and as a result of that, we've been very much in our doing energy, mm. doing, 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 productivity, creating, demonstrating our value and our worth, and there's, a lot of this is unconscious, right? And a lot of this is because it's also exciting, yes. and we like to create as men. We like to be productive. We like to be of value. This goes back to millions of years as hominoids and uh, when we were primates and so forth, Like yeah. where we, when we bring something to the clan, to the tribe, we're of value. We're celebrated in some way, pre-language even. 100%. We, we, we're celebrated through, you know, I mean, compassion and empathy, I, I believe, research says that it started anywhere from three to six million years ago. So being in, in community with each other started then as primates. Like, let me move a twig out the way so you can get past with, with greater um, ease. Yeah. Like, that's empathy. That's compassion. That's doing things to help each other. Like, I'm of value now. There's an esteem. There's a There's a hormonal response. There's something that's released in the body that gives us that reinforcement. I just did something good for someone. I'll do more of it. So this physiological, psychological integration of self. So I go, I take it back to evolutionary biology, evolutionary psychology. I go back to those places. I think there's a value in that.
1: hundred percent. No, I completely agree.
0: And so again, like it's, it's this doing right. And so we're coming now where we're saying, well, maybe we need some respite. Maybe we need some rest. Maybe there's going to be less doing. Maybe we can have a different energy in the corporate world. So, you know, in war and so forth, you're going to want a physically able, person doesn't mean women aren't physically able but as a percentage this, though right yeah, yeah but there's, there's a f- it's just fact that men are bigger stronger faster like you just look at every sport i like could so- serena williams admitted this
1: did you ever hear her talk about this no i haven't actually she, heard she said uh, look, serena williams no one would ever ever disagree is probably the greatest female uh tennis player ever or at least on the top three right yeah uh, she's she's strong she's powerful and all of this she lost to like it was like, I don't know, like the uh, ridiculous, like the 700th ranked man in the world or something like that. Right. And she said, she's like, look, I, I, you know, as good as I am, like, I understand that I rank like 500 on the men's list. Like she admits it to, yeah. to your point. Like it, it's.
0: It's not a bad thing. No, 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 no. This. It's
1: just, she's an amazing athlete, but you can't physically compete. You can't compare.
0: No. And women bring amazing value that we've neglected. Feminine energy brings invaluable value, if that even makes sense, that we have neglected as society. And that's why we're seeing these pendulum swings, because it's been too extreme in that way. But again, in an office, can a woman not lead? Absolutely, she can lead. Depends on the culture as well of that particular business, of that particular enterprise. Sure. It also depends on what's happening outside as well. One of my clients is a CEO for a, for a major company that j- they've just gone public. She's a fucking boss. Yeah. And... She's really deeply connected to her heart yeah. and she's an exceptional leader. And what she's been through the last few years, particularly I won't go into the details, but what she's had to fight for and be a stand for morally. and if she, She's a boss mm. and she's deeply in her feminine energetic as well. So it's not that women can't lead. Right. Of course they can. in In, in a situation of war, I don't know. It's interesting. You know, Athena was, which is my daughter's name, Athena, the goddess Athena was the goddess of war and love. Sure. So there's maybe, maybe something to say in that, you know? Well, this,
1: but those are exceptions, right? Sure. They're exceptions. Joan of Arc is a, is a significant it, figure in pet, but like, th- these are exceptions. You can drop names yeah. on the, I mean, like if you, if you explore it, of course you can find, like there's no such thing as a hundred percent. Right. So your point's very valid. And even like the, the concept of feminism for me, at least is, I don't know what the, I look it up. I don't know what the definition of it is, but to me, it is. Hey, if it's saying that, hey, listen, I want to make equal sure equal
0: access that, to resources essentially is a big is a big part of say it, it one more time. Equal access to resources. D- you said it better than I could. Again, <laughs> the
1: accent. It sounds more intelligent. No, but <laughs> it's seriously, just, it, yeah. it, it's equality of equality of opportunity, right? It's essentially yeah. saying, hey, listen, not the equality of the outcome. Not saying, hey, Correct. like the end game. Sure, you are fifty percent. You are fifty percent man, sure. woman, or we're represented in our in our government or whatever exactly as men and men and women are represented in society, but it's it's saying, hey, you have the opportunity as a woman or as a man or whatever, but a feminist would say you have the opportunity. Where it crosses the line for me, any movement is when there's this demand that the outcome is that way. I saw it in my corporate career before I left, you know, big, big uh, insurance company. Um, you know, and this is where it gets cliched. It's like, oh, you're saying that that person only got the promotion because of their race. I'm like, no, but were they moved ahead? Because of their race, because there was a clear discussion about, hey, or their gender or whatever, we don't have enough women represented in our leadership. It's like, I completely agree. So let's have a plan for that. A plan is very different to create opportunity than all of a sudden, like, wait a minute this person's qualifications forget it's it you know forget what they look like this person's qualifications are very different than this person's qualifications right like we just we don't look at that we look at well but they're female so now they've get all of these other qualifications granted to them what's the the uh is it like the boston philharmonic or one of these major uh uh, uh what are it's they symphony called symphony orchestras symphony orchestras right used to do Blind auditions Mm -hmm. so that there was no sense of are they black Mm -hmm. white man woman or whatever. They've done away with that now blind auditions are gone They want to see exactly so they have a representative sampling like that's the shit that gets under my skin with any movement feminism or whatever And that's where I maybe as a man and people would say oh, okay Well, you've had it good for as many as long as you've had it. it's time You know somebody else's turn and I don't I have no issue with somebody else having the opportunity none no matter what they are, who they've been, where they're from, if they have a college education or not, it doesn't matter to me. Same opportunity for sure. But I, it does cross the line when it's like, well, you can't because you're a man and that masculinity is toxic. Yeah. And that's where I come, I come from with
0: Yeah, I, I man, I agree with you. And at the same time, it's a very, very complex situation oh, because minority groups or groups that have been oppressed historically are starting from a deficit economically and socially. And even just the perception of that. Mm-hmm. And so it it is a complex conversation that is attempting to be mended by government policy saying to big corporation, Well, you have to have a particular representation, or in Australia, at least it's like that in oil and gas and mining with Aboriginal people specifically. Yeah, 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 Or it's corporations saying, we want to look a particular way, which is the equivalent of greenwashing in the environmental space, right? Like race washing or gender washing, or whatever it may be. And it's all tokenistic. Yeah. It's all to win favor of public demand so that their products can keep selling. Mm-hmm. And so when there's not a s- legitimate intention behind it to, to say, well, okay, there's, there's a bunch of people that have grown up in poverty for many year, years, or a bunch of cultures that have grown up in poverty for many years, which again isn't completely accurate either, right? Like, there's white people grow up in 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 poverty as well. Sure. But again, this is such a nuanced, complex oh, dude, conversation. It, right?
1: There's no, there's no like this is the way it is, and that's the no, answer to it. But right? we
0: we have to. I think what you what you touched on earlier around really giving this some careful thought and planning, and not just making it tokenistic, and not just doing it for appearance. That's what really needs to shift and change. And it's tough, man. Like it's not, I don't know what the easy solutions and the easy fixes are. I just know that how we're doing it now, I think is actually causing the, the polarization that we're experiencing because it's like, oh, let's just quickly get a bandaid on it. Oh, let's quickly put some tape, or some gaffer tape on it or duct tape that will fix it. No, it actually doesn't fix it. It temporarily does something that that stops the pressure but or, or slows down the pressure, but it doesn't fix it. It doesn't change it. Don't, we don't, we're not looking at the system as a whole and saying, what needs to shift here? We're just saying, let's just patch this on it and patch that on it and patch this on it.
1: Yeah, if you're looking at it, it's a great point about the nuance because if you're looking at it just practically, never minding the individual you know, ambition or this gender. Like I think about growing up, all cartoons were white. Right, I don't see that now with my kids. It's it it is a a broad and I love it. I love seeing my kids are are half uh, Latin America. My wife's from the Dominican Republic originally. Right, so so I have a mixed mixed kids and there's a lot more of that. Right, mixed relationships and what you see on TV is representative of of all different colors and races and genders and all of this stuff, which was not the case way back.
0: homogenized, which is nice. Correct, very diverse people as humans.
1: And it's the same thing. Like I, I, you know, to your point about passive versus active energy. When I when I was in my corporate career, you know, there were two women in particular that I and again this wasn't like I was so enlightened to understand this then but that's exactly what they had a lot of power really smart really driven they you know great ideas but because they were more on the of the, they, you know they, they were feminine they were more passive and they needed somebody and I, I happened to be the person for them to just allow for their for their for them you know like to reach over and say I know you're more passive let me let me bring you with me as opposed to well you're not being active enough these guys are so men 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 we're going to continue to promote men but it's going to take a generation or two to get there with that careful planning but again, I understand if I'm a, an underrepresented uh, uh, population now. If I'm a woman in the workplace, or a, or somebody who's a minority of some sort, like well, that's great. I, you know, but I want to. I'm in my life right now. Like uh, you know, I want to make sure that I make progress in this in this generation, not in two or three generations. So, it's hard. It's a hard argument. To, you yeah. know, I- either way, no matter how you shake
0: it. Yeah, and for the vast majority of our lives, if not all of our lives, maybe that's going to change soon. Soon, we haven't been an underrepresented. Um, group of people, you and I, you know, I mean, I, I still am a Caucasian person. Like I, when I look at my genetics and I I know my background, I'm 20 something percent, nearly 30% middle Eastern, but I'm, yeah, but I'm still, I'm still Caucasian, I'm still seen as a white man, white man, 41 years old, you know, like I've, you know, I'm middle, upper middle class, like I've, I'm not in the, in the, um, minority group here. So I can only speak from my experience, like you can as well. Maybe men are moving, you know, it seems that white, white cisgendered males are moving towards being a minority group, but the reality is we're not at the mm. moment, right? And that's another thing, you know, this the stigma attached to minority and majority, you never hear the term majority group, you always hear the term minority group, but the stigma that's attached to that, it's like, oh, you're less than, or you're, it's not that you're just underrepresented, but you're less than. There's something that you lack. Great point. That's, that, I, that's just, we're fucking human. Yeah. You know, like, sure, some people are exposed to different environments that give them other skill sets, but humans, humans, we have the, if you're born, you have the right to live and you have the right to life like every other human being. I mean, that's, that's at least my take on it.
1: I want to pivot because I want to be respectful of your time. Of course. But how does this relate to relationships between men and women today as you, you know, in your practice, what you see? So, I mean, there's, there's from a standpoint of the ability to communicate with one another, let's start there and then i want to move into sex but men and women this day and age all of what we just discussed about about you know masculinity toxic masculinity women coming into their power you know all of that what's the state of relationships today everybody here talks about the divorce rate and shit mm-hmm. like that but what's the state mm-hmm. of relationships today
0: you know i think there's 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 probably multiple camps with this but there's 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 maybe there's two camps and we 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 talk about you know your friend that came in From uh, Kenya. Kenya. There's the traditional, traditional gender roles camp. And if we behave in that way, then everything's just going to be fine. And if we all, you know, men assume their roles and women assume their roles, um, in every situation, whether it's everyday life or extreme situations and everything's sweet. And then there's the other camp that says, you know, gender roles don't exist. And I think there's a blend, like there's a blend there. And ultimately it becomes up to the couple it becomes up to the couple how they want to be. And if they want to change some of their conditioning and some of their historical conditioning and their values that have been imposed upon them and they've taken on, then that's their choice. And I, I empower every single human being to fucking do their inner work and be, don't just do something because the majority is doing it because your dad did it that way and your grandfather did it. Great. Traditions are beautiful. I love traditions and they're healthy, but examine the tradition. Like be with the tradition. Like immerse yourself in it, whether that's a gender role or whether that's a morning routine, whatever it may be, right? So when we're looking at men and women, there's way too much demonizing of difference. Mm. I've used that term demonizing before, but there's this difference is bad. And this is why I think we're, we're tending to homogenize everything in our society today as well, because we see difference as a threat where it can be an ally. And it's the same in intimate relationship. So we can approach things differently, uh, whether it's sexually, emotionally, communication, but we have to have reverence and respect for the other person. And one of the ways that I do that in my relationship and something that I teach my clients and I work with a lot with my clients is, can you see, so let's just say you and I here having a conversation, right? Now we're we're two men, let's just say it gets heated and it gets a really difference of opinion. Depending on our conditioning, we're going to want to do one of two things. Generally speaking, we're either going to want to retract, or I'm going to go to to fight or flight. That's it. Yeah. Right. So in that moment instead of moving to extremes and shutting down or fighting and going, leaning in or pulling back, can I regulate my nervous system? That's going to require practice, attention, time, all those things prior to being here. And more importantly, very simple practice. So if a man and a woman partners are in argument, can you see that? Can I see your little seven-year-old boy? Right now you're shutting down and you're not listening to me and you're ignoring everything I'm saying and I'm taking it personally. But what if I could regulate my nervous system, take some slow breaths, do a little bit of mindfulness practice, pinch my fingers, know that I'm safe right now. We don't have to it doesn't have to escalate. And what if I thought for a moment, well, maybe he's not actually shutting down towards me, but maybe this is a learned behavior. Maybe this happened to him when he was six. And dad was screaming at him. And I'm making some assumptions here, but it's a story that, and I could can I see that little six-year-old boy? Now, would I want to fucking fight a six-year-old boy? No, I don't. That's ridiculous. Mm. Unless you have a pathology. So I want to nurture that little boy. So now I can start being compassionate with you. Now, safety is the healing. Remember I said that. Now I'm treating you differently and I'm not shutting down. I'm not being antagonistic like your dad maybe was. You start to relax. You start to be more open to my ideas now. Now we're working with each other. Now, if you're doing the same thing and you're seeing my little boy that needed a fight in order to survive, and you can have compassion and empathy for him, that changes the game. Now, translate that. I want to use a real life example here, right? But mm-hmm. translate that to a man and woman having an argument, partners, a husband and wife having an argument, or um, boyfriend and girlfriend, even that, like the institution of marriage is being attacked now. I can't say husband and wife. Oh, that's, that,
1: that's a thing. Yeah.
0: I mean, everything's a thing. <laughs> the fuck isn't a thing and like you're worried about getting censored for someone just speaking their truth and that's it's a legitimate concern to have you don't want to get censored it's fucking hard work right, right, right. It's a lot of effort and there's yeah. money it's resources and that's the thing that's that's the world we live in everything's everything's being attacked man literally i mean maybe i'm being extreme no 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 absolutely right, you know, there's a lot that's being attacked yeah again all norms the things that the things that we're familiar with are being attacked and questioned not a bad thing it's just the way that it's being done i don't think is healthy side note tangent so man and woman as a, as as a partners it's imperative you know do you know your wife's upbringing yeah good do you know like some of the things that she went through oh yeah some of the 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 tumultuous times she went through some of the celebrations she had you know her in, intimately
1: very much so yeah
0: in argument or conflict can you bring in into your purview into your consciousness if she's behaving in an antagonistic way or yelling at you or stonewalling or rejecting you or being rude or being mean can you Not tolerate that behavior. Of course not. Set healthy boundaries. Be a stand for who you are. But can you also see that little girl that's just gone to old coping strategies? They're called maladaptive coping strategies now in the present moment because they don't really serve the effective, conscious, clear communication, but they're learned behaviors. Can you see that little girl? Can you hold her in that moment? That's next level superhero shit for both of you to do that with each other. I don't always get it right with my wife. Definitely not. Far less than more. Mm. Far less than more but I'm aware of it. I'm cognizant of it. I, I, I practice it. We both do. And if you can do that, you're changing. Firstly, you're healing genera- generational wounds and patterns, man. And you're changing the way that you see each other and the way that, that you see yourself. And that's where deep healing takes place. You've got to make a commitment to wanting to be safe in the relationship. I don't know if that answers your question.
1: It does. <laughs> it, it does, man. In a major way. I, I love that. I love that example. There's a burning man, uh, uh illustration I've seen, of uh, sort of a, a wireframe of a man and a yep. woman in conflict facing away from each other and inside are two like bright children reaching out to touch each other. And that's what comes to mind when you, yeah. when you just talked about that.
0: Here's another, here's another take on that as well. I know the, I know what you, you, you're right. That's the, I think that's the intention of it and yeah. it's a beautiful intention. The other take to that as well is this, is that, that man and woman leaning, any, leaning against each other or having their backs to each other, mm. I see them as leaning against each other. If one moves, the other one falls. Oh, that's
1: a great point.
0: Wow and we actually and the, even in conflict, yeah. we're leaning against each other. Because we have conflict, especially repetitive conflict that's vested in very familiar patterns. We experience these conflicts to have a redo of a situation that is core to our personality, to our persona, to our wounding, to our trauma, to the people that we are, so that we can have a redo to heal that part of us, to move beyond it, to grow out of it, to grow out of that pain point, that pain pattern, that fear cycle, to actually become more connected to ourselves. We do that in partnership and in intimacy. We do that in friendship. We do that when we challenge, when we face challenge together and conflict together, and we go through it in meaningful ways that is loving and open. But if we avoid our shit, like I did for so many years, we don't get anywhere. And we just keep recycling the same shit over and over again.
1: That hits. That's big. It is big, man.
0: It's the biggest thing.
1: Future millionaire women and future multimillionaire men, listen up. I have something to tell you. And I had ChatGPT write it for me. I haven't read it yet. So I'm going to read it right now and let's see how it does. Are you, are you ready to join a tribe that will elevate your life and business to the next level? abundance is the community for active entrepreneurial men who desire to live epic lives. And now with GoBundance Emerge, men who are not yet multimillionaires and women who are not yet millionaires can experience the power of GoBundance too. That's pretty good. With the six life-changing pillars, you'll experience peak physical condition, a supportive tribe. Bucket list achievements, peer partnerships, giving back and building a lifetime of wealth. Plus, plus with GoBundance Emerge, you'll gain access to mentorship, training, accountability and community that will help you accelerate your results and achieve your goals. Apply now to join the tribe and experience epic adventures around the world. Connect with like-minded individuals and elevate your life and business to the next level. Go to GoBundance.com, fill out an application or if you're ready, for $5,000 a year or $500 a month, your call, go to GoBundanceEmerge.com and simply join us. If you're a millionaire, male, $1 to $2 million in net worth, you're going to get certain aspects of GoAbundance Elite that you'll be able to tie into by being an Emerge member. And on the ladies' side, we've got tie-ins with our entrepreneur microtribe to the GoAbundance women's uh, side of things, and they invite our our GoBundance Emerge, uh female members to their events consistently. GoBundanceEmerge.com. If you're not yet at that $2 million mark for a man or not yet at that $1 million work mark for a woman where you could join GoBundance Women or GoBundance Elite, GoBundanceEmerge.com or simply go to GoBundance.com, fill out an application, and I might be calling you back to the show. I want two more hours with you, but let's get into this. <laughs> sex in this context, is it the ultimate expression of that work? Or is it, how is sex... Uh, how do I want to ask this question? That's
0: a great question. I think you answered it. You asked it. Is that the right one? I think so. Yeah. I, yes
1: or no is the as answer. As long as you understand what I'm asking. That's I a, yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, you, you correct did. me if I, if no, I no, no, yeah. no. Go for it. Yeah.
0: Uh, yes or no is the answer. It can be. So I, I've experienced, um, personally, I've experienced sexual intimacy with my wife that has, you know, what has what felt to transcend reality. It's been like being on plant medicine journeys. And then I've experienced very similar experiences, but different, just through breath work alone with no external substances, through meditation, simple stillness, silence, and solitude practice. So it can be, sexual union is a way to me, um, it is a a pathway towards deeper awakening. It can be, um, with self and with others, particularly with others. And there's a lot that needs to happen for that to happen. So before we even get to sexual intimacy being a tool for awakening or deeper enlightenment, we have to clear the clutter of the past, which is coming back to one of your original questions, right? Like what are some of the foundational things that we need to do? What's the stack? We have to clear enough. It doesn't have to be fully because we don't come to relationship fully healed. Mm. And we don't, if we have that expectation, we'll never be in relationship. We come to relationship, um, heal, well, at the level of healing of where we're at, full stop, right? Mm-hmm. Or the level of awakening or the level of consciousness of where we're at. And then we grow ideally in that relationship. That should be an, in- should. That is, for me, for me, should be a very powerful intention to grow together in relationship, to, to elevate. So I come to relationship. Yeah. So uh, you and I, we're friends. I don't want to be friends with you if you're not going to make me better. Fair. Like, it's simple as that. And yeah. I don't want you to be friends with me if I'm not going to make you better in some way. Yeah. I'm not going to evolve, help you evolve, I can't involve you. I can't make you better, but I want to help you be better. Same with relationship and intimacy. We want to help each other grow and and be better. We want to be stewards of each other's paths and our own.
1: I get that. What about on the casual side? First date. Do you need all of this? I mean, is it, is sex, is sex all... <laughs> I love we're, how you smile. Nah. And vivid. I could feel the energy shift. You're like, Hey dude, you're talking about two different things, right? You're talking about yeah, two relational. The same. Yeah, right? they're, they're different it. and
0: the same. Oh, how so? Yeah. Because, because it's still the act of sex. Like I've had, um, uh, deep sexual experiences with quote unquote strangers that have been very deep because we've both been open. We've both been willing. We've both been in just the right aligned frame of being to have deeply spiritual experiences. It's a personal preference, but it also is, you know, when we're talking about sex on a first date, it's also what you want. And we're also primal beings. We're still physical (laughs) beings that are driven by or or directed by fertilization driven sex is an unconscious and conscious, but an unconscious part of us that wants to mate and reproduce. It's one of the pathways that keep us, Alive, so to speak, will keep us um, regenerating the human species. It's, it's innate within us. So there's fertilization-driven sex, but there's also bonding behavior that drives us as well. The need to be seen and safe and cared for and, and reciprocate that as well. And that's, is it equally as powerful from a physiological perspective? I don't know. I actually don't know. But it is, it is very powerful still. So those needs, sometimes they compete, but usually they're complementary.
1: If you're in a relationship, I'm just thinking through this a little bit. Yeah. This is really, really interesting. Like I said, I'm I'm, I'm looking at this clock. Like fuck, I want to, <laughs> but let's. Let, I'm, I'm trying to keep it like you know high level here. But um, if you're you know you're in a relationship, you're married, mm. uh, you and your wife, you and your husband, whatever, um, have done a lot of this work. Hey, our communication is really strong. Um, I guess I'm in my mind. I'm picturing like I, there's from a sex, uh, uh, you know, an intimacy, sex standpoint within a relationship, sexual standpoint within a relationship. There's there's sort of I feel like it's like almost like peak performance versus the the all the work to get to that peak performance Like peak performance to me is how do I go from being at the 99% to the hundred percent? It's that 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 small mm. movement, but quantum leap mm. Whereas a lot of people have to go from let's foundationally break down where you've been and like build you up to a point where you're at that 90% Then we can work on the peak performance With intimacy, let's assume that we're talking to somebody or we're, you know, that's in a relationship that's done a lot of the work. They understand each other's uh, communication style, love languages. um, uh, uh, What is it? Avoidant or anxious uh, attachment Attachment. styles, right? Like you understand their trauma bonding, all that stuff. Right. really, really, really intimate in that regard. And that they want, you know, they have a great sexual relationship or there's great sexual intimacy. Is there a way to enhance it? Or is there a way to take it to the next level? Is there a next level? What is that? What does that look like?
0: Very masculine question. Is it? <laughs> of course, it is. It's great. Um, I mean, there how are do ma- you get it yeah. better? There, right? are ma- there are many different tools. You know, there. Are ma- <laughs> yeah, you fuck better. Yeah, come on, Steph, How do you fuck better? Okay. <laughs> well, but it, and it's also goal orientated as well. Like fuck better for a purpose, right? Mm. And that, and that's part of the masculine paradigm. Is goal orientation is objective driven. Nothing, not wrong with it. It's we need it to survive as well. Sure. sure. I think it's just also overused in various areas of our of our lives. Like, for example, you look at, um, big business, you look at the public markets, like it's all about, it's a singular focus on profit, nothing else. Every other value almost drops to the wayside that, that obsess obsession with that, that object objective and that goal at some level has contributed to part of the collapse that we're experiencing in our Mm. collective society. Right. Yeah. So again, it's this overuse of that masculine energetic is another way to say it. But to answer your question, there are many tools and techniques and practices. One can delve into, um, you know, ancient Vedic uh, wisdom like Tantra. One can delve into um, uh, Tao, sexual Taoism. Um, The Egyptians had deep sexual practices as well. I always like to go back to Mm. the origins of, you know, as far back as possible, right? And then build from there. You can go to, you can have a, a sex coach or an intimacy um, coach or expert that you work with. You can practice um, abstinence with each other and have non-penetrative um, intimacy, uh, non-sexual um, penetrative intimacy. You can practice that for a period of time. That's there's a that's a practice called Carezza or Carezza. I'm not sure how to, I think it's Carezza. A beautiful book, um, Cupid's Poison Arrow. Mm. Really, really enlightening book. Um, yeah, Definitely read it if you're interested in this in this area. But there are so many, you know, it's it's, de- it's deepening conversations. It's also experiencing intimacy outside of the bedroom, so to speak. In other words, when you go through a challenge together as a couple and you you navigate that and you repair in really healthy, effective ways, that deepens closeness and connection, which deepens the possibility for heightened sexual intimacy. You can in, in, integrate plant medicines into your sexual experience. You can integrate. You can bring in novelty and variety. That can look like so many different ways. You can, you know, to to dressing up, to role play, to bringing in new people. To again, there are there are considerations and there are consequences that come with choices that can be quite left field of what you're both accustomed to. But there can also be beautiful growth in that as well learning to build trust with each other, all of this foundational stuff is where it's at. Like that's where it's going to be. And it's, it's, you've got to be proactive. Like for example, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be a good example, but I'll use it anyway. I, I, I'm eight seconds away to be ready for a zombie apocalypse. Eight seconds meaning uh, I can get to where I need to, vest up, get my rifle and away I go. <laughs> Not because I have a, a, a vest and a rifle, but because I'm i am I'm very confident in my physical condition. I'm very confident that if you said to me, "Hey, man, we got to we got to get out of here, and we got to run 100 miles right now," and I may not do it well, but I know I'll do it. I got to carry you. I'll do. I'll do. I'm confident in my physical body. Now, there'll be a time where I'm probably not, but right now I'm confident in my physical body. When it comes to sexual intimacy, we have to be proactive in laying the foundations in place that we know we can go to the next level, whatever the mystery of the next level is, because we're constantly doing our inner work ourselves and we're constantly working on the little things and the simple things in the relationship. So we have, we carry a confidence and it's not an arrogance, it's a confidence that Or we have a capacity to go to the next level because part of it is we've earned it, but more so we've been exposed and we have a familiarity and we can build from that. But it's all the little things that that couple does on a day-to-day basis, how they repair, how they communicate, how they treat each other, how they um, value their values, how they respect and revere each other, how they ask questions. Do they have their own private lives as well? Do they have space in between, um, their intimacy? and you know, like yeah. all these things that they're doing that naturally just evolve every area of their lives, including their sexual intimacy. Mm. And, and I think, and I believe even though sexual intimacy is grounded in the physical, there is this immaterial, ethereal component to it. And there's a mystery that resides with that. And, and we have to honor the mystery. And so if we try and mm, orchestrate what is next in our sexual evolution, we're almost going backwards. And there has to be a part of us surrendering to the mystery that is sexual intimacy. That's a great answer. That's Approach a- you just led with that. <laughs> no, no.
1: I, I, yeah, every bit of it was incredible. It was such a great answer. And I'm noticing the time let's wrap on this. Where can people, uh, learn more about you? Where could people learn more about what you're doing?
0: Uh, well, firstly, I appreciate you and I, I really enjoy this conversation too. and, um, I've just found a friend, so I'm What's happy saying? with that. Thank that you. makes me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, I, I vibe with you. So, um, and you're, you're great at what you do. Thank you oh, for man, that means, the way you ask questions. Yeah. Means,
1: I got to tell you something after this about that, but go yeah, ahead.
0: Please. Um, uh, and then I'm glad that we're able to do this because I know we've been working on it for a few months. And secondly, where you can find me, uh, at Stephanos Safandos, on, mainly on Instagram. I'm on TikTok and Facebook and LinkedIn, all those things as well, um, and Twitter and, and so forth. Twitter Steph Safandos because I don't give me enough characters. But <laughs> whatever, Twitter's the same shit that I put on <laughs> Instagram anyway. Um, I shouldn't call this shit the content I put on there. Um, and my website, Stephanos uh,
1: Appreciate you, brother. Thank Thanks you, for man. coming
0: in. Thank you.